0: Amen. We've been preaching to the book of Matthew. We're gonna finish the fourth chapter. The Lord willing, the church don't rise. And if the church rises, then we've got a better teacher above. Amen. Matthew chapter four is incredible. What we're looking at today, I mean, the Bible is hot. You're gonna need potholders to hang on to to the word today. It's awesome, amen. How many would agree that The movements of Jesus are very important. If he doesn't move, then we're dead. But thank God the movements of Jesus are all important in this fourth chapter of the book of Matthew. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. You say, I just sit down. I know we're like a bunch of Pentecostals, up down, up down, up down. But there's a reason for that keeps you from going to sleep. Amen. We're going to read verse 12 down to verse 25. I'll give you the outline in just a minute of this passage of Scripture. Now, Jesus had heard, when Jesus had heard, that John the Baptist was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, and that's Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan of Galilee of the Gentiles. The people, which sat in darkness, saw a great light, and to them which set in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and, say, uh, to, and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishermen or fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw another two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father. And they were mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Jesus. And Jesus went about all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease from among the people. And his fame went throughout all of Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers' diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him a great multitude of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. I want to speak on the subject this morning location 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 you may be seated the phrase location 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 is a real estate term if you have a house by the seashore it's worth more money than if you have a house in the desert In fact, so many people have went to the extreme to try to make my house look good so their house will look better. I mean, you know what we're talking about. Zoning has become quite a lucrative business because they don't want you to just have a house nice by them. They want your house to be as nice as theirs. Well, you know, Uh, I'm not always as rich as they are. And I can't get Judy to mow the yard as often as I would like. And we got chickens. And Judy's the crazy chicken lady. And the rooster doesn't know when to shut up. I'm getting ready to ordain him into the ministry. Because he will not shut up. And then we got two roosters now, and they compete with each other to see who's the prettiest. They look just alike. They look like chickens. Amen. I remember when I first moved to the state of Nevada, they were having a zoning, and they were going to pass a zoning overnight overnight. And it was on a Wednesday night, they zoned that everything had to be painted, all your houses had to be painted earth tone colors. And during the night, when they passed this little law in Carson Valley that they, every house had to be painted, and I think they gave them a year to get it done, but, uh, and you couldn't paint your house unless it was earth tone colors. And during the night, I got up and there was spotlights shining on this guy's house in my neighborhood, there where I pastored. And he had spotlights shining everywhere. He was painting his house before the sunrise, before the law went into effect. He painted his house orange and pink. And so orange and pink got godfathered in. Hello. It was a sightly looking place, but it had no chickens in the yard. Jesus, is; his movements are incredible. The outline that I want to give you today is a simple one. In verse 12 and 13, we have the place. In verse 14 through 16, we have the people. In verse 17 through 22, we have the call. And then in verse 23 through 25, we have the power. Jesus, where he moved, where he lived, was all-important. Everything he did was to fulfill his Father's will. He was sent here not to exercise his authority as a God for himself, but as the pure Lamb of God, who is God, sinless, to die on the cross of Calvary. We talked last Sunday that Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil. Why don't you quit being a man and be a God? And Jesus Christ said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Chapter 4, verse 4. That's also in chapter 4, verse 4 in the Gospel of Luke. And so Jesus was saying, man needs something more than just what he has. Man needs something more than bread. He can't live on bread alone. And so Jesus came to provide for us. What we could not and cannot provide for ourselves. Jesus came to provide for us the bread of life, the eternal bread of life. You know, you look back when Jesus was about to be born, Mary was great with the child. And Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should go to their places of taxation and pay tax. All the world should be taxed. So Joseph and Mary were from the town of Bethlehem. So they had to travel while Mary was so heavy with a child about to give birth, they had to travel many miles down to Bethlehem because Bethlehem was the city of David. That's their, They were ancestors of King David, Mary and Joseph. And so they had to go there to pay their taxes. And while they were there, Mary gave birth to the Son of God. The Son of God was born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so... Caesar Augustus didn't realize what he was doing, but he was just moving things right along to the will of God. How I many of know sometimes people think they're so smart and they're just doing what God wants them to do? Amen. And so here you have Jesus being born in the city of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem means house of bread. So now you've got the bread of life in the house of bread. Jesus came to bring the bread of life in the house of bread. What a great tribute to our Lord. And then he moved to Egypt because Herod was going to try to kill Jesus. Many you know the movements are important of Jesus. And so he moved to Egypt. And there in Egypt, he was there for quite some time. And then the Spirit of God spoke to him, or actually an angel spoke to Joseph, said, get the child, go back home. Herod is dead. And, um, but then the fulfillment was that out of Egypt have I called my son. A fulfillment of God's prophecy. Out of Egypt, God called his son. The, the nation of uh, Israel, yes, but the son of God out of Egypt, God has called his son. And while they're coming to Judea, they find out that Herod's son took the place, Achilleus I think was his name, and he was a wicked king. And the angel spoke to Joseph and said, don't stay here in Judea, go back to Galilee, Nazareth. And the movement of Jesus is very important. Nazareth is an out-of-way, insignificant place, and that's where Jesus grew up in the city of Of Nazareth, as Jesus is called into the ministry, and he's been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm I'm convinced that personally Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost before he ever walked into the water. But the sign was given as the Spirit of God abode upon him him to take care of business. I mean, no Jesus can take care of business. If you don't think Jesus can take care of you, you just jump in his arms and see what he does with you. You'd be amazed what Jesus can do with you. And so Jesus Christ is in Nazareth. He grows up in Nazareth. They called him the son of a carpenter. They mocked him. It's not this, uh, the son of Joseph the carpenter. And when Jesus is called into his ministry, the full-time ministry, and by the way, What we read just a minute ago is the launching forth of the sunrise of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He left the wilderness, and now he's getting ready to go into the wilderness of people and give them the good news of Jesus Christ. He's going to bring them the Word of God. Jesus Christ is going to make the clouds scatter. He's going to make the darkness dissipate and vanish. And he's going to bring the joy of the Lord to mankind. And so Jesus is, let me, let me throw you for a loop for a little bit, because some of you look kind of loopy, and we want to make you more loopy. But anyway, I'll give you a loop here. Between verse 11 and 12 is about a, about a year and a half of Jesus' ministry that's missing. where do I find it? You find it in the synoptic gospels, Mark and Luke, and then John's not a synoptic gospel, but you'll find it in the other, in the four gospels. You find about a year and a half of ministry that Jesus did between verse 11 and 12, which takes in Jesus turning the water into wine, which takes in the woman at Jacob's well, which takes in many different aspects. And, uh, but we're not here to teach the synoptics. We're not here to teach John. And we already taught verse by verse through John. We already taught verse by verse through Mark. We're here to teach Matthew. And Matthew is about the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Mark's about Jesus as a servant. Luke's about Jesus as the son of man. John's about Jesus as the son of God, God in flesh. And so each of the four gospels, the synoptic gospel, Jesus as a man, the gospel of John, Jesus as deity, as God in flesh. Now, I don't want to labor you, but I want you to understand that it's important what what Matthew is doing here. He's presenting Jesus as the king. And so, though there's about a year and a half that went past, um, Matthew brings Jesus Christ out of Nazareth. Now, of course, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. The Bible says when... Uh, Jesus had heard, John was baptized. He, he he left Nazareth and he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast. That's in verse 13, in the borders of Zebulun and Nephtalem. Now, do you want to know why Jesus left Nazareth? He grew up there. The reason Jesus Christ left Nazareth is because he was rejected in Nazareth. You want to know why Jesus would leave you? It's because you reject him. Jesus never leaves anyone that wants him. But if you reject him, he will leave you. It was in Nazareth that Jesus Christ, when he reached that Full age and beginning his ministry, that he walked into the temple in Nazareth and he opened up the scroll from Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointing me to preach the gospel to the poor. And it gives a list of verse 1 through 13, how Jesus Christ would cause great things to happen. Well, since, since you've already got it on the screen, let's look at it real quick. Isaiah 61, Jesus walks into the temple, and here's, he takes the scroll. Uh, And he said, he reads it, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek for he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim, to proclaim acceptable year, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise whoo, for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Now, after Jesus read that in the temple in Nazareth, the Bible says he closed the book, the scroll, and he went and sat down in a chair. That chair was reserved for the Messiah. No one sat in that chair. Only the Messiah sits in that chair. And the Bible says that when he sits in the chair, all eyes are upon him. It's kind of like when someone comes in here before you get to church and they sit in your chair. What's going on here? They know that I've had that chair for years. Yes, and if you don't quit sitting there, we're going to have to scrape it and burn it. But Jesus sits down. In that chair, all eyes were upon him as if to say, I am the Messiah. I'm God. You find that in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 28, it says, they hated Jesus. Luke 4, verse 28, it says, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. The reason Jesus left Nazareth was because not only did John the Baptist go to prison, but he left Nazareth because he was not wanted. They rejected him. And so Jesus goes, they, the place. We stop and think about the place. Jesus, How many would agree the place is important? Location, location, location. It's important. Amen. And the Bible says he leaves Nazareth and he dwells in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is um, in Galilee, which is upon the seacoast of the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali. He went north in Israel. Jesus Christ left Nazareth because they rejected him and he went north. The Bible says that when he went north, verse 15... Of chapter 4, it was the Galilee of the Gentiles. I'll give you a little lesson about history here. How many remember the phrase the King's Highway? Remember that? How many remember the phrase the King's Highway? How many remember the phrase a highway of holiness? In Isaiah chapter 35. The King's Highway ran, began in Egypt, and crossed the Sinai Peninsula and then turned north to Damascus. When Assyria came in and conquered the northern tribes of Israel, because it's separated from the twelve tribes, you had two tribes, I think it's Judah and and Benjamin, and then you had the other tribes and Zebulun and Naphtali was actually part of the northern tribes. And so in the northern tribes Assyria conquered the northern tribes, the 10 tribes first, Israel. Or many times it was called Ephraim because Ephraim was the biggest tribe and then other times it was called Samaria. And so Jesus leaves Nazareth and goes straight up north to where the king's highway is because the king's highway runs from Egypt all the way To Damascus and into the great Euphrates. And so Jesus goes up to the king's highway, which is in Capernaum, which is in Zebulun, Nephilim. And he's going up there because there is a people that are broken and shattered and setting in darkness. He goes there because he wanted to go where he was needed and he wanted to go where he was wanted. Oh, we need him here. And we want him here. How many would agree you need him? And we want him. So Jesus goes to the king's highway. He's going to make it a way of holiness. Isaiah said it would be a gloomy, dark, hellish way, this highway, king's highway. But in prophecy, it would become a highway of holiness. Isaiah 35. It'd be a highway of hope, a highway of joy, and so when the Assyrians came in and took the ten tribes of Israel, didn't take them all. In fact, I think they let um, uh, Samaria part uh, part of the uh, Zebulun and Naphtali uh, kind of left them there, and they were mingled with other tribes and other people. The men married daughters that were not Jewish, and so there was a and I. I'm speaking as a Jew now. Don't get political on me. There was an infestation against the Jewish people in that day, a mix. Don't get political on me. Just understand what we're saying here. And so the Samaritans were considered dogs. They were half Jew and half Gentile. Why? Because Assyria... What they didn't take into Damascus in captivity, they left there and brought their women, their people, their nations into Israel, the Northern Kingdom, and there was a mingling with different nations, and as a product, they they were called the Samaritans, and that's why the Samaritans were so hated. What's beautiful is that Israel left, that Jesus left Nazareth and went straight to the people that the Jewish people hated. He went to Samaria, Capernaum, the Gentiles. The Bible calls it the Galilee of Gentiles. And that brings me to not only the place, he went to the place, the northern part of Israel. And there, that place where there was darkness, there was pain, there was horrific hurt and rejection. That brings me to the people. Verse 14 says that he went to Capernaum, or that northern part of Israel, that the scripture would be filled, fulfilled. And that's in Isaiah 9, verse 1 and 2. That the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. By the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Don't miss that. And look at verse 16. The people. The people. Isn't that beautiful? The people. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Why? Because of the people. God loves the people. God wants to help the people that's in trouble, the people that's in darkness, the people that's in shame, the people that's hurting, The people which sat in darkness saw a great light and to them which sat in the region of the shadow of death light has sprung up. The sunrise of the ministry of Jesus Christ began to shine and the clouds began to scatter and the glory of God began to move and lives began to be changed because Jesus came to a people that needed him and a people that wanted him and a people that was not too good for him and a people that was not full of religious starch and not caring about their lives. Jesus came to the blind, the halt, the lame, the dying. He came to the sinner. He came to the gutter trash. He came to the guttermost, and he saved them to the uttermost by the power of his words and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo, praise God. Jesus Christ came for the people. Look at the fulfillment in Isaiah 9, verse 1, 2, and 3. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in their vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the people, the nations. Did you see that? How many see that? The people, where it says, beyond Jordan in the Galilee of the nations, means beyond Jordan in the Galilee of the people. And the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They had dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nations, not Increase the uh, not increase their joy; their, they joy before thee according to the joy in the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. In other words, God brings joy to the people. Now, notice there's a phrase in verse two of Isaiah nine that says the people walk in darkness. But notice the phrase in verse sixteen of Mark, Mark Matthew five the people which sat in darkness. Let me know there's a difference between walking and setting. So the prophecy in the Old Testament is they were walking. But here, when Jesus arrived, they were setting because they had fallen into absolute hopelessness, and they have just sat down in the darkness and gave up. I am told that when they brought him out of the ten kingdoms of Israel, the Assyrians, they would chain them. They would would put uh, hooks in their lip and they would... Dragged them from one body to the next, and they would make them walk all the way to Damascus. And there, Nineveh was the was the uh, capital of at that time of Assyria. And they would get three or four hundred people, sometimes as many as a thousand or more. And they would have them strung up like string, strung up like fish on a on a fishing line hooked in their jaw, they wouldn't just hook it in their lip, they'd put the hole through their jaw so it wouldn't tear out, and they'd put the hook in their jaw, and then every hundredth person, a soldier would walk down the the string of prisoners, those slaves that were taken captive in war, and every one hundredth person, they would drive through their heart with a spear, and they would die. And the rest of the train of slaves would drag the dead bodies behind them. And that's what Jesus had in mind. They sat in darkness, but light has sprung up, the clouds have scattered. And the sunrise of the ministry of Jesus Christ begins to shine. For those that have sat down in darkness, the pain has got so bad they can't walk. The pain has got so bad they can't live. The pain has got so bad they can't hardly exist. And they've just sit down and said, I give up, what's the use?" And Jesus calls the clouds to scatter away. He makes his ascent up into the northern part of Israel. location, location. Location. And he goes to the king's highway, the highway of holiness. And he brings word to those people who sat in darkness. And the light flashed all around them. And the good word of God brought light to their soul, them that sat in darkness. I can't just sit here. I can't just stand here. I have to feel something. Woo! Praise the Lord! It makes no difference how defiled you may feel. It makes no difference how bad you've been in your past. It makes no difference how horrific you've had as a child growing up. It makes no difference how much horror, horror and, and agony that you went through. We have a God that can step right up to the darkness of your world and speak the light of God and tell you that God is a big God and God is a saving God and God is a powerful God and God can call you out of darkness into his marvelous light and we can be the generation and the nation giving praise to God for we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a royal preacher praising God, giving praise to God, that we would show forth the praises, the light, the glorious gospel light of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, most people's problems is they just sit there. Really, I'm, being, I'm not being sarcastic. Most people's problem is they just sit there. And so many people sit there because they have been in that train of torture. You have hurt. You have been hurt. You have been broken. People have hurt you. Circumstances have hurt you. But Jesus goes right up to Zebulon and Naphtali, And he goes and makes his headquarters Capernaum. That's where he made his headquarters. There were several million people living in Galilee in that area, and he made his headquarters Capernaum. Because from Capernaum, he's going to scatter the darkness all across the world. He's going to dissipate it. He's going to bring light and goodness to the Lord. Now, Jesus is walking. He's on the move. And he's getting ready to call some people. Let me point out something real quickly um, that maybe you missed. Uh, The Bible says when John the Baptist was in prison, then Jesus went to Galilee. Now, realize there's been a year and a half passed by here. A lot has happened. We know why John the Baptist went to prison. We'll find that later on in the book of Matthew. It gives us the details of what happened. And so Jesus is actually beginning his ministry And I want you to notice this. Verse 17, from that time, from that time. Did you know there's only one other place in Matthew where it says from that time? When Jesus went to high north to the people that sat in darkness, a great light sprung up, the cloudy darkness and the storms began to fade away because Jesus was there, bringing the word of life and the grace of God It says in verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Actually, that's when Jesus began his ministry, from that time. Now, I want you to notice something that's very important. From that time, it says that Jesus began to preach, from that time. I wrote this down, and I think it's important that we see this, because uh, Matthew chapter 16 verse 21 and you don't have to go there but in Matthew 4 17 it says from, t- from that time that means from the time John went into prison John said Jesus says okay John I'll take, take it from here and Jesus preached the exact message that John preached repent John's in prison Jesus preached the exact message that John the Baptist preached But here's what he said. There's another phrase in Matthew 16, 21, and it is from that time. From that time. I want to go there. I've got it marked. I don't have it marked in my Bible, but I want us to see that. Matthew 16. And it says, From that time Jesus began his ministry in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, he begins to preach and his ministry begins. And then in Matthew 16, 21, what does it say? From that time. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things for the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again from the dead. So from that time, in Matthew 417, Jesus preaches the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Christ. He preaches the good news of the Father. And then after he gets the message out, he's closing up the remainder of his ministry. And just from that time, he starts setting his eyes on his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, I am... Um, I want to talk to you about the call. Did you know that it's important that you understand when God's calling you? Have you ever heard someone say, well, I'm too busy. God called, but I'm too busy. You weren't busier than Peter and Andrew. Verse 17 through 22, the Bible says he preached, repent the kingdom of... Heaven is at hand. How many know your hand's pretty close to you? Your kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two men, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother, cast his net into the sea, for they were fishermen. They were putting their net in the sea. How many would agree they were busy? They were busy. But they were not too busy for Jesus. But in verse 19, he said unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Jesus called them, they followed him. They left their nets. Then Jesus comes, verse 21, on from thence, and he sees two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. Notice in uh, Andrew and Peter was fishing with their nets, but John and, and uh, James was mending their nets and he called them. Verse 21, Jesus called them while they were mending their nets. They were busy and immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. If you're waiting for a convenient time to follow Jesus, it will never come. Jesus goes after busy people. Jesus went and came to Peter and Andrew. They knew about, this is not the first encounter that Andrew and Peter had with Jesus. In fact, Andrew was one of the disciples of John the Baptist, not the first encounter. But there came a time when God said, okay, Jesus said, okay, I want you to follow me. And the Bible says that when he said, follow me, they left their nets they left their ships. They left everything. And they followed Jesus. Some of you need to leave your picnics. You need to leave your pleasures. You need to leave your little petty world. You need to leave your little lazy agenda. You need to leave your little dying rituals. And you need to follow something worthy to follow. And his name is Jesus Christ. Ouch, that hurt. But that's the truth. James and John. Remember he says to James and John, the sons of Zebedee, follow me. Immediately, verse, he called them. I I want you to hear the word, he called them. Verse 21, the last three, three words, he called them. And immediately after, and immediately left the ship. They left the ship and their father, and followed him. What they do? They left their boats, they left their occupation, they left their security, they left their father. At least James and John did. They left their nets, and they followed Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ called them. Now I want you to understand something in the Jewish scenario, when you had rabbis, a student that's learning the Judeo Judeo law and the law of Moses, they would pick their rabbi, and then they would follow their rabbi to be taught, but wait a minute, Jesus Christ said, you're not picking me, I'm picking you. I'm going to pick the one that's busy. I'm going to pick the one that trusts me. I'm going to pick the one that will know me. I'm going to pick the one that cares. I'm going to pick the one that will be profitable to me. Uh, uh, Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. John. Fifteen, verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you would go and bring forth fruit that your fruit might remain. I want you to know the Father God gives you to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ just walks among the crowd, and he calls you. And when Jesus Christ calls you, it may mean some discomfort in your life. When Jesus Christ calls you, it may mean that you have to leave something behind. There are way too many people dragging their nets behind and dragging their behind too that they need to follow Jesus Christ. You know the old saying, the lightning bug is a bright little fella. Though he doesn't have any mind, he goes through life with his headlights on behind. And there are so many people today that go through life with their headlights on behind. I want you to know, I didn't choose to preach, God chose me. I want you to know, I didn't choose to get saved, God chose chose me. I want you to know God the Father gave me to Jesus Christ. And when you hear the call, you ought to shout glory to God. When Jesus Christ calls you, you should not let anything keep you from getting to him because only those that are called will be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And only those that will be called will be saved and given eternal life. So Jesus must call you. And when he calls, you must obey. Boy, that is salty as it can be. I just licked my lips and it was salty. Amen. Now, I want you to understand that God the Father, let's stop and think about it. God the Father chose who? Abraham. He chose Jacob. God the Father chose Abraham. Moses, God the Father chose Joshua. God the Father chose the one he wanted to choose. And Jesus Christ comes among us and he chooses us. I wonder who in this crowd Jesus would look at and say, I'll choose that one and I'll choose that one and I'll choose that one and I'll choose that one. And you'll point at yourself, you talking to me, Lord? And he'll say, yeah, your heart's burning. I'm talking to you. Follow me. You want to be saved, you better start following Jesus Christ But it, because it isn't a handshake at the preacher at the front of the uh, of the auditorium, a handshake and uh, joining the church. You, you are saved by being born again into the body of Christ. It isn't a handshake that's going to change your life. It's a heartburn that moves inside your soul and God choosing you and you saying, yes. That makes it a little more complicated, doesn't it? Wow. What'd they leave? They le- and God will require, will require you to leave some things. Serious. The lady at Jacob's well, what'd she leave? She left her pot. She left her water pot. I know somebody said, oh, she, I didn't know she smoked it. No, her water <laughs> pot. She left her pot. Amen. James and (laughs) you guys listen too well. Uh, the, The disciples left their ship. Matthew, we find in the chapter 9 of Matthew, 9 verse 9, Matthew leaves the tax table. He leaves his table where he is a tax collector. Matthew leaves. He leaves the world he knows. He leaves the friends he has. He leaves it all. And I want you to know when you leave, if your friends are not worthy of Jesus Christ, God will require you to leave those friends that are not worthy of Jesus Christ. He will require, require you to leave those friends. He will not require you to be unkind. He will not require you to be stuck up, but he will require you to fellowship with of your own kind. He will require you to be part of your own kind. He will require you to go to church. He will require you to read his word. He will require you to worship and to praise God. He will require you to gather with the saints of God, for we are together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you follow Jesus, it means you leave the old old toxic friendships behind. You leave the old darkness behind. You leave the old wickedness behind and you follow Jesus Christ and you don't drag the net behind you. You let it go and you don't repair the net saying, well, I might need this later on. Let me repair the net. Get away. Go to Jesus Christ. He still feeds the multitude. He still turns water into wine. He's still your God and he can take good care and take you through and in the end, take you to heaven. praise the Lord I remember when I first got saved my buddy who was a drug pusher my buddy who was a drug pusher I said my buddy who was a drug pusher I got saved he came to my house and said I heard you became a Jesus freak and I said well I don't know what you call it but if it's a freak I'm a freak because I've decided to follow Jesus He said, I guess, and and my friend said, I guess we won't be running around together, will we? And I said, no, we won't. And we didn't for a long time. But he sat right here in this church a few years ago, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he followed Jesus. When I was baptized in the Finley River, it was ice cold. You could hear the ice cracking on the other side. When I was back, and I think Scott went through this torment at one time. It was cold then, wasn't it, Scott? You got baptized in ice water. Uh, You know, it would be much better to follow Jesus in August. (laughs) And I got baptized early. It was still ice on the river. When I went under, I could hear the ice crack. And as I come up out of the water, I looked. And there was my buddy that was an old drug pusher just shaking his head, just shaking his head. But years later, he sat in this auditorium and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And today he's in heaven. And one day we're going to go up there and meet together and we're going to shake hands together in heavenly places. And I'm going to say to Larry Marcus, I left my pot. And he's going to say, I left my pot. Well, you say, you ain't supposed to preach that way, preacher. I don't know how you're supposed to preach. I just get up and preach. But the Bible says he called them. And I want you to know that God will call you, but he's not going to call you until you got all the money you need. He's not going to call you until you get all your ducks in a row. He's going to call you when you're busy. And he's going to tell you, Follow me. He's going to call you when you're so busy in your darkness. You shine the light, and he's going to call you to follow him. He called me, and I follow him. Where he leads me, I will follow. And someone said, What he feeds me, I'll swallow. I'm grateful for God calling me into the ministry. Not accounting me faithful, Paul said that, but I'd have to say counting Jesus faithful, He called me into the ministry. The Bible says that after He called them, they went forth, verse 23 through 25, and there was the power. The power. The power was there to change my life. And the power is there to change your life. And the power, listen, if the power of Jesus Christ can open blinded eyes, he can help you. If the power of Jesus Christ can cleanse the leper, he can help you. If the power of Jesus Christ can raise the dead, he can help you. If the power of Jesus Christ can bring joy and peace uh, 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 and that peace that path of understanding and that joy unspeakable, he can bless you. If the power of God is capable of changing a demonic person and bringing them into their right mind, fellowship with God, following Jesus Christ. he can help you. Okay, yeah. yeah. well, I've said no to Jesus too many times. You know what's beautiful? He went by and told James and John, follow me more than once. He came by and told Peter several times. You know, it was, it, it was a graduation. There came a time when Peter and Andrew, there came a time when James and John, the sons of Zebedee, said, Okay, all right, he's not going to quit. He's not going to give up on it. He's not going to stop. Let's go. Amen. God will require you to change some things to follow Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is not traveling the path you're traveling. Amen? We gather in a good crowd. Thank God for a good crowd today. Thank God for... How many can sense the Holy Spirit in this place? Oh, I tell you. So awesome. Amen? I heard the story. It kind of teaches us that we need to, birds of the feather flock together. An old farmer went out and shot some crows in the air. And a parrot fell to the ground. And the parrot would not stop saying, Wrong crowd! Wrong crowd! Amen. You like them parrot jokes? I got one more I'll give you. Some of you heard it before, but I'm going to tell you another one. This guy, this guy had a parrot. He put it out on the sidewalk. He was a store owner, and uh, uh, the parrot was, you know, kind of uh, uh, getting some sun, and the parrot was vocalizing, and this, this woman could have been a man, man or a woman. Today, it could be both. Anyway, somebody walking by, and the parrot said, ah, ah, you're ugly. Ah, you're ugly. You're ugly. She shook the cage and said, you shut up. I'm not angry. He or she went into the store owner and said, look, if you don't make that parrot quit telling me I'm ugly, I'm never going to go to your store and buy another thing. So the man went out grabbed the parrot out of the cage, slapped the parrot, and feathers just went everywhere. And he said, look, you're you're driving my customers away. You got to quit telling this person they're ugly. Stuck the parrot back in the cage. The not-so-pretty person walked by again. And the parrot cocked his head and said, you know, ah, you know, ah. Yeah, you know. Hear me, you know. You're sitting in this room and you know. You know what you should do. All you need is the call of Jesus. The Bible says he went forth healing all them that were sick. And his fame went abroad everywhere. Jesus' fame went abroad. How many know Jesus was famous? We know Jesus is still famous. There needs to be more talk about Jesus in our land today. Because whether you want to agree with this or not, there's still demon possession in the world today. There's still demons in the world today. Now, I don't think we ought to get together and get a demon switch out and try to switch all the demons out of everybody. We don't have enough switches on this property to do that. I'm not saying that we should put on a show. Always be leery of a preacher that wants to put on a show. Always be leery of a church that wants to put on a show. Jesus would heal and say, don't go tell any. He'd say, tell no one. Go and tell nobody. Because it's not about the show. It's about the glow of Jesus in your heart. What Jesus Christ has done for your life. And he went forth healing. And his fame went from northern Israel, went from the highway of holiness. It was a highway of gloominess. Clouds scattered. Light came and penetrated the darkness because people just sat down and gave up. But his glory went so powerful that it swept back into Nazareth and it swept back into Jerusalem and it swept back into Judea. Because God's power cannot be harnessed. God's power cannot be made or put in a bottle. God's power is incredible. Amen? If you come to an altar and you don't feel nothing, that don't mean a thing, except you didn't feel nothing. But if you follow Jesus, I promise you, he will keep his end of the deal, and he will forgive you, he will heal you, he will bless you. Some people just give up too quick. I had a guy tell me a few years ago, well, I tried Jesus, and it didn't work. I said, "You tried him." I said, "That's the problem. You tried him. You just didn't give you all to him." He said, "Yeah, but he said I tried him." I said, "How long did you go to church?" He said, "I went for two weeks." I said, shoot, I have people that are members of our church that they've been coming all along and I still wonder if they're saved. Say, preacher, are you wondering about me? I'm not talking. I just want you to know that if Jesus is in you, he's gonna stick out somewhere. He's gonna be obvious, amen? I get tired of, and, and Dale's not going to do this, but I get tired of baptizing someone and then you don't see them again until Easter or Christmas or you don't see them again at all. You baptize them and they say, well, I got my duty out of the way. I got baptized and, and I'm going to go. You never see him again. Or someone comes and joins the church. I can't tell you the times I've had people come and join the church and I still haven't seen them again. I go to Walmart and they run from me. I'd make a horrible Walmart greeter. I'm old enough, but I'd make a horrible Walmart greeter. Never had people join the church and leave, never come back. Because they thought, well, that's good enough. Like the two preachers that got together and the belfry, their, their bell tower was full of bats. And the one preacher said, I can't get rid of the bats. And he said, have you tried ringing and have you tried praying? He said, we've tried everything. And the other guy seen the other preacher a week later and said, we got rid of all the bats. He said, how did you get rid of the bats in your bell tower? He said, we just voted them into the church and they've been gone ever since. <laughs> I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to give us the word because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And you can't learn every word. You can't memorize every word. You can't even obey every word. But Jesus Christ came and brought us every word of God. And he's telling you today You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have ordained you, John 15, 16, that you would go forth, produce fruit, that your fruit might remain. You see, God chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses. And Jesus chose Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They didn't choose him. Jesus chose them. And you need to be very sober and very anxious for Jesus to call you. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Jesus hasn't called every lost person in this auditorium today. You say, why? Because labors are few. The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is ripe. Labors are few. Why do I believe that every lost person in this room right now, Jesus Christ is calling? Because the Bible says many are called. Few are chosen. Many are called, but few, few are chosen. Why? Because they didn't respond. They're not chosen because they didn't come. And I believe it wouldn't surprise me if Jesus is calling you. And when he calls you, it's not going to be a convenient time. When he calls you, you can't drag your net behind. When he calls you, you can't, you've got to be willing to leave the things of past behind. When he calls you, the Bible says they immediately followed him. We're going to give an invitation. Josh, I want you to come. I'm enjoying this verse by verse to the book of Matthew. I'm, I tell you what, I didn't think that I could ever find a verse by verse book that I would love more than I loved John when we talked verse by verse to the book of John. But I'm, I'm convinced that each Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has their own great personality and their own great message to the world about Jesus Christ. And the more I read this Matthew, the more I study this Matthew, this book of Matthew, the more I say truly, Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Stand with me. Can you hear in your heart right now come and follow me do you hear the words do you hear Jesus calling you the Bible says he called James and John and they followed him a God that's so majestic a God that's so powerful cannot do anything for you until you hear and follow his call So I'm asking you today, follow His call. Altars are open. You're not coming to an altar. You're not coming to a church. You're not coming to me. You're coming to Jesus because you're obeying His call to follow Him. See, it ain't ain't about saying, well, I accept Him today, and then you go about your merry way. It's about following Jesus. It's about following. My question is, are you following Jesus? Alders open.